0: Hey, Laura, welcome back.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So you used to write for us. What's it like being back after three years?
1: It's exciting because we're in a podcast form and my first time ever speaking on a podcast. So I'm really excited to be back and uh, some familiar faces and to meet Chandler.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: So I am currently a licensed clinical social worker and I currently work in the educational system. So I am currently working in a high school setting. Um, I have worked in domestic violence, sexual assault advocacy before, um, working with a variety of um, populations. I really enjoy working with immigrants and um, obviously people that have experienced domestic violence and trauma. And I really just enjoy working with Um, people who need services, need someone to talk to. Um, I got my master's degree at LSU. Go Tigers. Um, Very exciting from our previous win, our recent win. Um, And I also went to uh, UL. So I got my bachelor's degree there. And I am really just very proud of my education and really proud of social work and what I do. So again, I'm really thankful to be Here um, tonight to talk about what I do and about therapy.
0: Awesome. Well, let's get into it.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Caleb Boudreaux, the editor in chief of an extraordinary life. Online. Today, with me, I have Morgan.
2: Hey, everyone. It's Morgan here, and I am the director of marketing and advancement for an life. Online. And today, we have with us Mr. Chandler,
3: the smarty, smartier, prettier, younger brother. That's like a tongue twister.
0: Of <laughs> Caleb and we have a special guest with us today. Um, Laura, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself? It's been a while since our readers have actually seen you.
1: Yes. My name is Laura Garcia and I am now currently a licensed clinical social worker. So thank you again for having me and allowing me to be reintroduced.
0: Anytime. And our, our big topic of conversation today is therapy and some of the benefits Of it, as well as some kind of splotches in the face of telehealth therapy. So, Mm -hmm. two major telehealth therapy providers, Cerebral and BetterHelp, have had massive data breaches, in which, in Cerebral's case, had 3 million. 179,835 people whose information was exposed as part of the breach, including their full name, phone number, email address, date of birth, birth, um, IP address, cerebral client identification number, their demographic information, their self-assessment responses, and associated health information information. The type of subscription that they pay for, their appointment dates, treatment details, and other clinical information like diagnoses, and their health insurance and pharmacy benefits information. So Dude, that's insane. It, that's it's, a pretty big breach there. It's a it's oh. a little bit of a violation, you know? Like I'm wow. So people were uh it, it's it's funny because well, it's not really funny. It's it's actually quite tragic. But um they advertisers could essentially this is a gold mine. Oh, especially they for pharmaceutical for anything. Exactly, especially for pharmaceutical things
2: mm-hmm.
0: or anything like that, because they now know what they have. They know what medicines to advertise to them or anything like
3: that. And maybe this is my brain going in a pretty sour spot as well, but like this is a a literal gold mine for hackers who want to target specific people like if if they know exactly like all that information they just have to make one phone call and be like hey this is so and so with this yep. um you're supposed to be getting your subscription uh if you don't mind sending us the money through this link and then we can go ahead and send it mm-hmm. to you like it's literally a gold mine for hackers in in so many different ways yeah. and that's so much information that you can't just like Oh, this password's been leaked. You can't just change your password like that's your life that just got leaked to the world.
2: Oh, I have a question. So like with this data breach, is it just the advertisers that were getting this information or was like who is getting all this?
0: No, so in in the in the breach for Cerebral from what I've been able to see um it's not there it's not like advertisers. Um, It's just all of the information's been leaked. Um, Mm. The advertisers, that was better help. The kind of Mm, better known of the two. um, Because as you can see, or as Laura can attest, they advertise everywhere. So in their um, privacy policy, they sell, uh, they stated that we never sell or rent any information that you share with us. And later, it states, we use BetterHelp and third-party cookies and web beacons to help the site function and measure the effectiveness of our ads. As for the privacy policy, it was allegedly barely visible at the bottom of the page. At the outset, the privacy policy that information would be used and disclosed for certain purposes, including to connect users to a therapist and to operate the service no mention was made of using or disclosing the information for advertising purposes the policy also said nothing about permitting third parties to use this information for their own purposes but you know it's kind of it's kind of bad whenever you're caught selling this information to advertisers as help and they're only slapped on the wrist with a seven point eight million dollar fine. Yeah, uh, you're muted, Chandler.
3: My Wait. bad. Imagine that being a slap on the wrist,
0: right? But whenever you <laughs>
3: like, it is a, for that company. It is a slap on the wrist, but
0: yeah, I right. want
3: I want it to be a slap on the wrist. You know, okay, never
0: mind. I'm <laughs> forget what I said. <laughs> so even though telehealth so far is has been a massive disaster for like startups in a in a way um where all of these people are like oh well we can just do we can just offer all of these things without knowing how to have secure systems Sorry, and
3: can we, can we cut back just a second um me i i've i've got no familiar i don't know the word familiar familiarity yeah with with um this topic at all uh, so can like better help you're saying is so, uh, an online th- therapy option
0: yeah they both are so uh okay, actually i'll let together no they don't work together they're 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 competitors in the space gotcha okay all right so laura if you want to kind of uh yeah sorry I, and this, this helps hopefully that.
3: with our listeners as well yeah uh, that might not know
1: so yeah so basically i think when you know i think it all backs Back dates to 2020 when the start of the pandemic because I think back to telehealth and when did it kind of start and of course I'm pretty new in my career so I think about you know how how did this all begin when did, has this been around for a long time and I'm sure there's research information but you know when you know my my career began with the pandemic so I like literally graduated and grad school and virtually and so You know, people were seeing their doctors or primary doctors. And so I think it happened so quickly that it's like, you're don't, you don't have time to think about, is my connection secure? Like, is what I'm telling my primary doctor private? Like, what, you know, what are the implications of this? And I think you're so desperate for answers. You're desperate for therapy. You're desperate for help so these corporations and i don't know when they began or started but basically i think they got a lot of publicity They probably became very popular and they were advertised as an inexpensive way to seek therapy so some of them have you know a, a psychiatric component to it so come meet with our therapists our case managers and you can also um you know see a psychiatrist and get medication delivered to your door, which, you know, I think there's good intention. Like, I think there was a very, they're trying to meet a need. Like you see a need in your community
3: improperly.
1: and you're trying to, you're trying to meet a need, but you're doing it incorrectly. <laughs> or you're doing it without the proper channels or without you're you're doing it by like, I guess, trying to expedite, you know, without, you know, really thinking about privacy, HIPAA, confidentiality, data, the internet. I mean, like you said, hackers, all these different, you know, things that can really um, impact a patient. And so, um, you know, when you're thinking of cerebral, better help, these are two of the many online, you know, and I feel since I got credentialed and, I, and when I got my license, they do recruit, you know, therapists. They want you to work. For them. And it's difficult because you're like, my like it's my license. That's under question. So you really have to take into consideration what are the pros and the cons of working for you know an agency like that. So you see all these, you know, lawsuits, and you know, you do your research, you look online. For me, it's not worth it to put my license and other people at risk because you know, these are people all over the country that you don't know the severity of their mental illness. And you don't know, you know, what kind of services they need. If they're in New York and I'm in Louisiana, how can I be sure that you're getting the services that you need?
0: Exactly.
3: I wonder if that affects, I I wonder if that affects, so that affects both sides, right? You're, you're describing, you're doing a really good job of describing it from both, both perspectives. Mm -hmm. Like not only are the employees now sketch to work there, um, but the clients as well are sketched to use them yeah um, it's so intriguing though like to think it obviously this this happens a lot in the um, in the tech sector, right you see companies that don't necessarily they've got a good idea they've got a good perspective uh, but they just grow so exponentially. so l- let me ask you this do you think that um, they did this on purpose? you think they cut costs and didn't focus on this or do you think it was an unwanted? you think they just grew so quick that they didn't stay on top of it?
1: Well, I think that I want to give people, even if it's a major corporation or organization, the benefit of the doubt. And I don't want to mm-hmm. say that someone intentionally causes harm. Yeah. Um, I think it it is like you, there is sometimes when you, like you said, there's a mass demand for a product and you don't realize, like I said, I don't think people realize how difficult and costly a HIPAA compliant um, service can be. So I right now can't just provide therapy to you if I don't have a place to store my notes and that's HIPAA compliant because if my laptop gets stolen right now and I have your personal information like I can be legally le- held liable. And you know, I think with you know what Caleb was describing about the information that was leaked is very confidential. And it's not just, you know, your name, your birth, your public record. Yes, it's a it's private, but it's it can be found anywhere. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. When you're thinking of your diagnosis, your notes, how many appointments you had, if an employer got a hold of that, well, hey, Morgan or hey, Laura, hey, Caleb has a mental illness. I don't want to hire her. And then that's you know at
0: that point. You cannot prove that that's why you didn't get hired.
1: exactly so then it becomes a discrimination but how do you prove that because how do you know whether or not they got your information so
3: so maybe this is me thinking really negatively okay (laughs) i'm gonna put the, the other side of it like what caleb said right they got a slap on the wrist right so imagine the amount of money that they would have had to put into the program to make it where it needed to be do you think that it was ever it had to have gotten brought up in a conversation before like hey let's allocate a couple million to make sure that mm-hmm. that we're safe here. Yeah, but you know, we don't really need to focus on that right now. Like what's the worst that can happen?
0: Yeah, see Stop and that's that's yo. the crazy part because their their policy was eventually changed to indicate that both BetterHelp and the third-party companies can use and disclose information for advertising and whenever so you sign up for eyes. the correct, whenever you sign up for the service technically you're giving them permission to share your information with third parties to get a better quality of care. Wow. Um, And um, according to Baker data council, um, which not a hundred percent sure, but it it seems to be a pretty legitimate um, like law focused publication. um, It states that the company has benefited from the sharing and the FTC alleges that BetterHelp brought in hundreds of thousands of new users, resulting in millions of dollars in additional revenue through this sharing. Wow! So that's 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 a pretty, that's, that's a pretty
3: out there, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And I don't I don't want to kind of bring this up to push people away from seeking therapy mm-hmm. or counseling in any way, because it is quite important to to get these sort of things like it's it's very difficult to process things in in your life and i think everyone here has gotten therapy at one point in their lives never bro you've never gotten Uh therapy
3: the uh i just well i i was excited when i heard about who we were speaking to um because i actually just hired uh, a therapist that just started an office and that was my first and only experience with a therapist in my life
1: wow well i I've think never, everyone should have a therapist yeah. or speak to therapists at least some point i'm like therapists have therapists because i feel you know it is a really good you know um perspective to have or um so you know i do believe that access to therapy is um very essential and you know i have been seeing a lot of infographics mm-hmm. you know going around and i don't want to get too political about make it easier to access mental health you know resources easier than things like buying a gun or doing other things. And I'm like, you know, you're right. It's hard to get a therapist. If you don't have insurance, and I have a lot of students and patients that have been uninsured, and I'm like, it is hard. There are waiting lists. It is, you have to pay out of pocket. It is difficult. It is challenging. I am not one to say therapy is cheap or inexpensive, you know, or even psych services. There are waiting lists. There are problems. There are, I mean, there's no easy answer.
0: Yeah, I mean so after now, yeah. I have damn good insurance with my day job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm going to be one to say that. Um however, my whenever the company switched to this new insurance company, like the provider,
1: yeah.
0: um my uh therapist no longer uh takes them. I so, yeah. so I pay her $80 an hour out of pocket.
2: I pay a 100 an hour. Yeah.
1: And honestly, a therapist time is probably worth twice or three times that and it's true. But we understand like I mean, I as a therapist, I don't ever want to charge a patient anything. But of course, that's like yeah, possible right, right, right. You know, for for everyone, you right. know. And so it's <clears throat> it's really difficult because, you know, this is in a cl- in a perfect world. Having access, like I remember when Cerebral and Brother Help and all these, I was like, oh my God, that sounds awesome. Even for me, I was like, oh, only if, you know, I was uninsured for a time, you know, and I was like, wow, this sounds great. Like I could swing this. And then I was like, you know what? Like maybe there are some, con- you know, you start to think, or um, what is, you know, some other damages. And so I know earlier, you know, Caleb in, in a private conversation had told us, you know, sometimes therapists wouldn't show up and they would, you know, a patient, or a client would still get charged. Like yeah, they're having
0: not, like there okay. are horror stories. Yeah. Um, using BetterHelp, where they would basically, um, people would like doctors would show up twenty to thirty minutes late, and then they would still get charged the full right. hour, whether the doctor was yeah. there or not. And, and that's not for
1: the patient.
0: And it's not like they they pay them. After services are rendered, it is $80 a week, once a month, at the beginning of the month. Right. So, if you only do one appointment a month, well, that's a total of $320 for that one service. So, like...
2: Wow.
1: It's costly. Yeah. It's... It's still costly. And I think it still leaves a lot of like a service like that, that you're paying like that for should be excellent. And obviously there've been a lot of flaws and, and stories and horrors. And, you know, it seems like, and, you know, I'm going back backtrack until what Chandler was saying about, was anyone sounding the alarm? And I think people were, but I feel like when you're in the minority, you know, people ignore you. And I see that a lot, you know, in, um, my, um, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I just got disturbed.
0: <laughs> oh, no, <it's>
1: okay. <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I hope we can edit that out somehow because I feel I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen. Hey, it happens. I tried to let everyone know that I'd be, um, but preoccupied, but anyway. So, um, you know, I feel that a lot of people have been, I don't know, maybe misled, I understand that, you know, the policies were in the fine print, you know, but if I'm going to a therapy service and therapy's given to me as oh, it's confidential, oh, it's this and that, like I feel like my information should be kept private.
0: Exactly. Whenever you're in person with a therapist mm-hmm. and you see them face to face, if your information gets leaked, you know where to find them. Right. You don't know who um, this is on the other side of a telehealth line. It's you true. don't know how to get a hold of them other than that link that's provided to you every single time you go, or to sit and wait on a customer service line. Yeah, and it's
2: honestly kind of scary to think about. I don't know, in my personal opinion and experience, isn't it like though? I would, I don't know, like I would much rather just like like I know my therapist. I have her number. Like, if I need anything, like. To just through a link and you're just talking to just whoever, you know? And it would really make me question a lot of things, I feel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: From somebody who hasn't gotten therapy whatsoever, Chandler, what is this paint in your head? Man, this is, it's so unique because,
3: well, I think it's a big, and it's interesting I hate that my camera's still acting up. I've been trying to sort. This. Sorry, I haven't been talking. I swear I've been listening. I've been trying to. No, I
0: figured that's what you were doing. But
3: yeah, it's like bothering that, bothering me. But um, I think it's just interesting because you said uh, that everyone could potentially. Oh, the camera's bothering me. I'm just gonna. We're just gonna do that for now until I can sort it out. Um, was it was it was it messing up on your end as well? Yeah, but that's okay. okay. That's fine. Cool. Um you said that everyone could benefit from using like from having a therapist, but I Mm -hmm. think, you know, someone who, who really, who really wants to see a therapist and who really wants to speak to somebody that could potentially help. Um, this could be really detrimental, you know? Um, Yeah. Because,
0: um, if you can't, Oh, sorry. But yeah, if you can't go out and find one, something like this may be your only option. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then,
3: and it just so happens to be the worst option in, in some cases, you know? that's it's incredible but like from my perspective it's difficult to speak on because i don't necessarily see myself i i am trying to put myself in a a different perspective and um Mm -hmm. and see it from like someone who who really needs it and who really like desperately wants to speak to someone um it would be really detrimental especially for you to lose the data or, or for it yeah. to leak out because those are the people, those are the people that I would stress out the most. Right. It would like, it's like targeting the, 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 if in, in a negative sense, it's targeting the best type of people to target. If you're, right. to, if you're vulnerable, literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's literally like, ver- versus if it was like a data leak with anything else, I mean, right.
0: I mean like I was, ahead, I was part of the, uh, like after sprint, uh, was bought out by t-mobile uh they had a huge data leak, and Again. like people's social security numbers their account yeah. numbers all of the above was all leaked um yeah i was furious yes, about but like, that
3: but to me right you can be furious you can be mad but like imagine the scare like the, the scariness of you're so used to speaking to somebody and now you don't even think you can speak to them safely and securely. Yeah, exactly. So, you're, I trust. You're so much more alone than you were before. Cause before mm-hmm. you had the choice. Okay. Hey, I can, at least, you know, I may not be able to get to my therapist, but at least I can speak to these, these people at least, you know, at the bare, at the bare minimum, I'm still going to be okay. Now it's like, wow, I'm completely alone. Exactly. So,
0: yeah. I couldn't, ima- I couldn't imagine. It's insane. Yeah. So, um, hmm let's go ahead and kind of give give some hope to the matter so um morgan kind of and then i'll go into my experience and then we'll let laura cap it all off what's kind of been your experience going through therapy like before like you don't have to go into specifics of what you were going mm-hmm. through but like what were don't go into specifics about what you were going through, but like what right, was go right, right. what was going through your mind before and how it affected your reality afterwards.
2: So, personally, I probably should have seen a therapist as a child. <laughs> okay? Like there's a lot of childhood trauma there, right? And it uh followed me into adulthood unfortunately. Um so what really led me to therapy, it's actually funny because I actually keep a journal. I have like a journal from high school, a journal from college, like That's awesome. I have so many journals. Right. And I remember writing in my journal, like I need to talk to somebody. I want to go to therapy. Like I, it's something I've always wanted. I just never knew how to take that step and do that. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean my parents never really like gave me those resources to be like okay sure like you well, I never really told them like hey I want to go to therapy you know what I'm saying so I always felt kind of just stuck so I waited until adulthood um, and what really pushed me to actually get a therapist was my previous boss um I'm not saying she's the one that helped me find a therapist she was so horrible <laughs> that it, it, I was like no no I'm that's serious. So bad. I, that's, it's so bad, but like she was the breaking point for me. Um, like I, I was like, I have to, yeah. I have to talk to somebody. Um, so I found a therapist, and you know we just started talking, and it. I was very nervous um, because I mean I, it, it's different. You know, whenever you like tell your problems to your friends or family members, it's mm-hmm. so different when you're just talking to a stranger. This person does not know who you are, what like your story, you know, like you you can literally just tell them everything that you need to tell them. And they're obviously giving you like professional advice. And so it's just really refreshing to have someone to talk to that's not going to be biased at all, because they don't know you. Um, So yeah, that's what really pushed me to go. I've been seeing her um, since November 2021. So it's been about like a year and a half. And actually I had a an appointment today, um, which is kind of what prompted me to think like, oh, we should talk about therapy. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, so it reminded it was, me of
0: the data breaches. And I was like, oh, this was an interesting topic.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and I finally got to talk to her about the breakup. <laughs> she had no idea because I go once a month. And I was like, she's like, So how have you been? And I was like, Oh, great. But like <laughs> I got broken up with <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, Laura, You didn't fine. hear? She had. She finally got her first boyfriend, and then she her first <laughs> yeah, terrible breakup. And then her first breakup, like her three first three
2: breakup, all in the same in the last three. Years. <laughs> no, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I mean, that's been my experience with it. It's just, it's been awesome. I have to say, like, like I said, it's just refreshing, and I just go once yeah. a month now, and it's just, um, you know, it's just. I could literally just sit on the couch and just rant. And I even told her, I was like, I'm going on a tangent today. Like, I'm just (laughs) rambling. But like, it's, you feel so good just getting all of it out. You know, sometimes you literally just have to get it out.
1: That's so great. That's so good to hear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so great that that was your first experience with a therapist. And it was so positive. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like, obviously, you can either have a positive or a negative experience. And that first time that you meet with someone is so like you know important and so mm-hmm. I have like a lot of people that I feel like sometimes you're kind of cleaning up the mess from someone else and I don't want to bash on anyone you know sometimes you have different personalities I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea you know but I feel that if your heart is in the right place as a therapist like your intentions are pure like you're not ever gonna be you know in in the wrong hopefully you know mm-hmm. but I feel like that if you have a negative experience with a therapist, you're obviously less likely to seek therapy again in the future. So I feel where I'm, you know, my setting is, like, we have to, we see kids annually, like, for our, you know, for annual visits, like, our medical visits. And so we, part of that is we have to build for a behavioral health, you know, so Mm -hmm. component. So, like, we see them. And so every year it's, like, how are you doing? How are things? And so they have the opportunity to, like, have another experience maybe it's another therapist or maybe it's another experience with the same social worker that maybe last year they were you know having a bad day or maybe they were you know uh, um having you know maybe they were just broken up with or maybe they just had <laughs> a bad you know experience with whatever that you know sometimes people have yeah. bad days and it doesn't say anything about you as a social worker or a therapist Sometimes it's just, like, not, you know, you and a person are not
2: going (laughs) to vibe. Right, exactly, and that's what I was worried about, too. I was, like, it's very important for me to, like, vibe with, you know, my because I've heard of so many of my friends that are, like, I've gone to therapy, and, like, I just, it it didn't work out. And I'm, like, maybe it's just that person. Like, you know, you have to find the good, you know, that vibe, like you said.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's difficult and I don't think it's a bad thing if you're able to, if you're not in crisis, if you're able to like, I don't want to say shop around, but look around because for me, mm. I know when I'm looking for someone for it to help me, it's like, I want someone that's like me, like I want a Hispanic woman, like, and that's really hard to find. Like, so, you know, mm. I think it's, it's difficult and it's challenging sometimes to find someone, you know, that can help you, Um, you know, but you know when you do find someone i'm glad that you can have a like, you know a very long relationship with with that person and then it's serving you it's still helping you like clinically and so um you know it is it is really important to have that you know experience and and sometimes it's it's just so difficult you know to really repair you know what someone another like a damaged therapeutic relationship so kind of mm-hmm. like it takes a little bit longer to rebuild that trust And just to say, like, you know, I think more than anything, therapy is more like, hey, this is your time. Like, I don't you can sit there and do nothing (laughs) or you can sit there and talk the whole time. But I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to not I don't judge you like I'm going to support you in your decision. So a lot of people ask me for advice. I don't give advice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I ask you, what do you want to do? You know, what do you think is best? Let's make a pro con list. Let's do different things because I don't want you to do what you think I want you to do. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to help you at all. Cause I feel a lot of times when you're in therapy, you know, a lot of us are people pleasers. A lot of us have self-esteem issues. So if you're there trying to please me, I'm like, no, you know, what's going to make me happy make me a better therapist is you coming and you, you putting in the work, but I'm not going to sit here and give you advice and tell you what to do. So I think a lot of people don't really know what therapy is or they're confused and so when you have a positive experience with someone and like i'm in the school setting so they go tell their friends their friends come and they trust me and i'm like i don't talk to your friends about you you know everything we talk about is confidential and it's hard in the right. school setting because you've got siblings and friends and cousins and you know it, but i feel like there's a level of trust that in that you know you can gain with a, a patient or a student and really um, it takes time and I think really just being supportive and listening and sometimes like being able to be like, "I don't know what to say. <laughs> and that's okay, you know, sometimes mm-hmm, you're kind of lost for mm-hmm. words and just being able to support someone. I mean, I always have snacks and stuff in my office and just being able to have <laughs> like that that open space for you to be like, hey, this is this is your time. like come here and enjoy you know, like a few minutes for yourself. So, again, I'm That's awesome. hearing that. That's really uh, – it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm glad that you can be in person with your therapy. You go in person?
2: Yes, I do. That's
1: good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and see, I've I've been to a therapy off and on my whole life. Thanks yeah. to my wonderful uh, situationship with my birth mother. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, tra- I feel
1: like trauma from childhood is probably – like the number one route like I mean I feel like 90% of people have that experience
3: so can I can I can I ask something yeah why why so do you feel like like for instance you're like every you and 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 the the person I hired um yeah weeks ago specifically said you do not it's a it's a big thing you do not give advice which is Mm -hmm. you know it's good so are you there to listen to someone
1: so, um ethically you're not at least um you're not
3: you, you shouldn't feel right giving someone advice and then so, they go
1: um my code of ethics does not allow me to give advice in the yeah. sense of
2: being um, like oh well you should do yeah. this yeah, you should like do the that. Way that and whenever people, a friend I was advice. gonna say yeah I was gonna say whenever I said my therapist gives me advice it's not really like advice it's more of like a hey you could do this or saying, you could do this yeah. these
3: are the different things right okay, like so,
2: well what does that look like for you mm-hmm. kind of thing like to,
3: to yeah. me that's so sh- i don't know why it's so strange but it Well, like i don't necessarily i don't necessarily like i i don't like hold anything back traditionally mm-hmm. so like what do you think someone like me would benefit from by seeing a therapist
1: so I feel like someone who uh, obviously you don't know um, me
3: too well, but just in a general, someone general who's yeah.
1: pretty well adjusted. Um, I'm not gonna say, so I had said everyone could benefit. I think everyone at some point in their lives, whether you're 10 mm-hmm. or 50, you know, I'm not saying that like everyone should always be at therapy at every top point of their lives. I think there's a lot of times where people go through adjustment, you know, where. Um, maybe it's not like enough to be clinically diagnosed to where every, you know, week you have to see a therapist, but I think there's a lot of like, there's like social skills and coping skills. You can learn a lot of communication skills, sometimes like relation. I don't, I don't do couples therapy. There are couples therapists. There's other things that you can learn like self, you know, self-esteem, you know, if you feel well adjusted and calm and happy, and that's, that's great. Um, I'm, I had no, you know, but I think that being open to, hey, if I feel, I think maybe knowing the signs of what anxiety feels like, what depression feels like, maybe what even going a little further, like what is, like mood swings, and what do these things look like, you know, that maybe might warrant some more further assistance, and where can I get that? So maybe you might not need a therapist right now, but like if in ten years you lose your best friend right in front of you like where how can you do that like where do you how do you cope from that so okay. sometimes a lot of people it's like you might need like grief or trauma counseling that's very short term so like 6 week 12 week to kind of get you through that crisis but a lot of people i don't think maybe not many people would need like very trauma like centered like 6 12 you know 18 okay. month That's more like maybe what Morgan and Caleb and other, a lot of my my students have chronic lifelong trauma from your childhood that you were never given the opportunity to see a therapist, whether your parents were hesitant, they didn't let you, you grew up in foster care, you grew up in another country where there was war, maybe you never had that, you couldn't, you were never given the opportunity to heal because you had to go to the next thing. Mm. You're always in a state of, of crisis, and so your body is is affected by the trauma and your adrenaline. So you're always like in that fight or flight. Like you're you're never able to just stay be stable. Yeah. So, so back like, to your question. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry, so like, no, I hope sorry. that
1: answered a little bit.
0: For sure, definitely. You know, to like add think, on to that though. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. No. No. I think it's just. If you're not in a point where you're like, oh, I, I don't think I would benefit, that's fine. Yeah, I don't think you need to be in therapy right this second. But knowing like, hey, if I need this yeah. or if my friend needs this or hey, I can recognize that my friend is not getting up out of bed. Like she's not, or he or she is not responding to me. They don't get dressed. They don't wash their, you know, just things that are chronic, like depression, like, you know, being able to give them the support. Or if you start just feeling, you know, like that, knowing, Hey, I can, I can get this help. Like, this is, you know, something that's going on inside of me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And see, uh, to kind of elaborate on the whole, um, like things coming up from your childhood, like whenever, so I was diagnosed with cyclothymia though, that differs between doctors because cyclothymia as a whole is hard to pin down um it could be misdiagnosed um cyclothymia when it's actually ptsd and like there's there's a whole lot of different things that could go right. wrong with the diagnosis but like i have swings where whenever i'm on uh what i like to jokingly call my man period um okay like i have anxiety triggers and depression triggers that don't exist any other time so like when i'm in that downswing if i hear like loud noises or dogs barking and i can't see immediately where they're coming from like i start going into like a fight or flight like what am i about to get myself into or if i I have like a bunch of babies around me and they're crying and screaming and the parents aren't doing anything that sends me into a completely different response. Right. And we still don't know how to figure that one out. It's interesting. Yeah.
1: And it's hard. I feel like sometimes you treat symptoms instead of just a diagnosis as a whole, because a diagnosis at least the way in every profession treats things differently. So I'm coming from you. a a social work perspective, which is very much like uh, we see the body, you know, an environment, like you're affected by, you know, your every part of your environment, you're in your genetics, your family, how you grew up. And so the way that I do therapy, you know, biopsychosocial might be different than the way an LPC does it or the way, you know, a psychologist does it. And so the way I would see that as is like, your, your diagnosis changes as you grow and age. And, and so it's something that I wouldn't be like stuck to, like, you know, especially PTSD, something like that, where your, you know, trauma that was so severe, I wouldn't be like, well, you, you know, the, I wouldn't stick so much to the, the diagnosis. I would say, Hey, let's work on the symptoms and try to figure out how to lessen them because that's what you're always going to want to aim for.
0: Exactly. Like, and try to live with it better.
1: Yeah, like you, with if you have a diagnosis, if you have these symptoms, it's hard to make things go away. Medication helps, therapy helps, but all of a sudden, one hundred percent go away, it might not. Maybe it will. You know, I don't think it's the spontaneous. You know, you know, I don't think it just goes away. I think it's part of you that I think it's part that stays with you um, throughout your life. But I feel like it's something you learn to live with. I think it's the same thing, kind of with grief. You don't just stop caring about your loved ones that die just kind of becomes part of you and you learn how to live with it so those symptoms of grief kind of stay with you and you still remember certain things and you still have certain triggers but it's not like every day you're heading into a spiral downward spiral because of this overwhelming sense of grief so it's lifelong ever-changing and I think it's really good to kind of really reflect on those symptoms that you're having and and to say, what are some things that could be causing this? What are my triggers? Where, and maybe what does my mind and my body remember about this? So, you know, great, great book. The body keeps the score. Highly recommend it. If y'all have not read it, definitely talks about trauma and how it affects your body and how, Mm -hmm. even if you don't remember something, your body will always remember. And so some of the things that you're experiencing, You're like, why do I feel like that? Why do I do this? Well, you know, maybe some trauma in the past is related to that.
2: You said it's called The Body Keeps the Score? Keeps the Score. Oh, okay. I'm writing it down right now. That seems very interesting.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Oh, I have it right here. Let me. The Body Keeps the Score, brain, mind, and body in healing, in the healing of trauma. My Bessel Van Der Hulk.
2: That is a thick book, but I'm willing to read it. Thick. <laughs> she thick. Yeah. It's a good book. It's great. Nice. It's very Looking into it.
1: Emotional. I, I would suggest mm-hmm. reading um maybe a chapter at a time. Okay, gotcha.
0: <laughs> or audiobooks. Audiobooks are also yeah, great.
1: Audiobooks are good. So definitely. Um I think it also helps you understand people that have experienced trauma. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, something, um, to think about if, if, uh,
0: Thank you. Chandler, that might be a good book for you. Um, trying to understand anxiety. Yeah. That would be
3: my, my thing is, is I've kind of come to the conclusion and I'm more than willing to change my mind if like different data presents itself. But I think like for you, me to fully understand anxiety, I would have to experience it. Because I've I've yeah. spoke to a lot of people about it, and I have a very good. You know, there are
0: games for that, right? <laughs> games for what? There are <laughs> games that actually that actually anxiety. mimic. Well, no, that they actually mimic the feelings of anxiety.
1: No, I did not know that. Yeah,
0: I've actually, written about, <laughs> I've actually so, written about. I've actually written about one or two of them.
3: You're saying that if I played the game, I would have a feeling of anxiety.
0: No, 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 no. So it doesn't. It doesn't show. Like it doesn't force you to have anxiety. So let's see if I can find it's so um... I think
1: that's so what do you think anxiety is? Because I think that's really interesting because I feel like everyone experiencing I don't think anxiety is always a bad thing. I feel like
3: of course yeah, no, I mean the test before. You said what?
1: Have you what is what is anxiety to you? Like what does that look like?
3: That's it. Okay, so I guess we'll give you a little bit of an update. I don't necessarily like, I, I'm not sure. So for instance, I think it's different in everyone, like you said. Yeah. Um, but like, to me, anxiety would be something that comes up about a specific event or maybe a person, something in general that's happening, something that's changing in yeah. your life um, that potentially like that comes in your head and is an, an extra thought um, that yeah. makes you think a bunch of other different things. But like, That's I don't a really
1: good description. I feel but I don't that experience I, that at yeah. all. I feel like anxiety is definitely you can have, like, so I think it's just obviously an overwhelming sense of you know, it can be fear, it can be uh, obviously if people, people say anxiousness, but it's like, how do you describe that? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that some I mean, before a test, you feel like that nervousness that can be a little bit of anxiety, and so. A little anxiety is normal. Like everyday anxiety is normal. The only, the problem with diet, like clinical anxiety is, does that anxiety affect your life, your everyday life? So if you're, if you are so afraid of that test that you avoid school, or you like, let's say you have to take a test to get a career, like, you know, take the praxis. If you avoid studying, if you don't take that test, because you're so afraid to fail that anxiety is withhold. That's impacting your life, so mm. I feel like that's more everyday anxiety. Like that's normal. So to just blanketly say I've never felt anxiety, is probably not well, accurate. Well, here, not-
3: let me let me explain. Okay, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but let me explain. Okay, so for instance, you say everyday anxiety is normal, uh-huh. but to me, everyday anxiety could potentially get in the way because it's an extra, it's an extra thought that sure. you're having. Like for instance, if I was nervous, like I don't know what I would. I don't know what I would be nervous about, right? Because let, let me, let me think. Like I that's, that's, that maybe that's the problem is I don't necessarily know what I would be nervous about because I, the maybe way you I,
1: just don't worry. Like maybe you're just not a some person. Well, and so that's I, fine.
3: the way, the way I look at things is if I can, if there's a problem and I can change it, then mm-hmm. why should I stress about it? Why should I worry about yeah. it? I should just change it. If there's a problem that I cannot change, then why should I worry about it? And why should I stress mm-hmm. about it? And so the p- potential, like, until a potential solution presents itself, why should I put more thought into yeah. it and waste my time? Like my mind because sp- you can only think of so many things at, at, at one time. Oh, so why yeah. should I, and, and maybe it's maybe the fact that I'm able to choose to not think about extra things. Maybe that's unique or maybe, maybe I don't think enough about it. I don't know. But like some people, the way they describe it is it's, they can't control it. It just comes up. Yeah. yeah. Which I, that I don't experience. I'm, I, I don't. Right. And I think it's
1: more about the, you're at like the feeling out of control or like the uh, like when the everyday kind of like the stress is just impacting your everyday life and so that's where more it's kind of same thing about you know like the depression or sadness like I don't think if you're feeling if you have a normal reaction like someone dies and you're sad I don't think you're clinically depressed I think you're probably having a normal reaction to the grief and so there's a and this is going too far deep into it. But you have to have a period of time to experience a lot of these symptoms to have any, like, a serious diagnosis. And so someone who is sad, you know, three days of, you know, the week after their cat died or something. Oh, my God, what did I say, cat? I'm thinking of my cat. (laughs) (laughs) After someone that they love died or something, that's really sad. Like, of course, you're going to be upset. So if I were to score, you know, if I were to ask someone to rate their depression or their sadness right after a death or something it's going to be super high and I can't just say well you're depressed because of this screening no I think you know and that's when you ask questions well why are you feeling like this what's going on and they're like well my brother which I have I've had kids be like my friend was just shot killed in front of me last week and I'm like um okay like that's yeah like I would be I would be sad too i would feel hopeless too i would not want to go to school too i would be missing school so there are some things that are like that happen to you that are going to feel you know and so uh, great i'm not saying that you know if you've never experienced anything and i think trauma too is all about perspective i mean if you don't view something as traumatic it's not going to affect you yeah so what's traumatic to you might not be traumatic to me so i've been in car accidents and i'm i'm that's to me is like mm, i'm afraid of someone else is like you find mm-hmm. that traumatic like i w- i went through this and not again i don't think you should compare but it's like what you find traumatic might not be traumatic to me or maybe i've not experienced it but that doesn't mean that your experience is less than mine so do
3: you so let me ask you this do you think that i potentially just haven't
0: felt something traumatic maybe
1: well, your it's it's more maybe.
0: of everyone has a different definition of traumatic mm-hmm. What's traumatic yeah. to me may not be traumatic to you. It all depends on how. And we come back to this episode after freaking episode. Perspective. But perspective. perspective. It all depends on how your go brain. The same.
1: Siblings, cousins, people in the same household can go through the same exact thing and have a different perspective. I have mm-hmm. twins that go through. The, they went through the same thing. Totally different. I mean, one's here and one's here. different Different sides of the spectrum. It is so unique. Like it is really like, you are so individual and so unique. And like, you know, you're in the sense of like, oh yeah, you're not the only person that feels that way, but you're also like, you are the only person that has all of your thoughts, all of your identifiers and beliefs and cores and all that kind of stuff. But like your perspective is really, really what matters. So like, I'm not going to, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I just witnessed, you know, this, this, you know, this kid get shot at the bus stop, which happened last year in Jefferson Parish. I think some kids, you know, we had a lot of crisis team come out. And so a lot of kids get murdered last year. And if that kid is like, well, I'm not, it's, I mean, it wasn't, it was sad. Like someone died, but like, I'm okay. I'm not gonna be like, well, you were traumatized. You were right there. Cause that kid's gonna be like, madam you're crazy. Like you're not. (sighs) Yeah, not only that, but
0: know. you could you could also if you constantly tell them that it's something that should have traumatized exactly. them, it could actually do worse they think, damage. They might be like, "Well, is something
2: wrong with me? Am I yeah. not? Why am yeah. I not feeling this way?"
0: But like, I think you know. something that you would greatly benefit from. So there's three games that all kind of m- not really mimic anxiety, but the main characters suffer from it so it kind of shows it you, you put it, puts their, yeah, yeah. it puts you in their yeah puts you in their shoes understood uh one of them is fractured minds it was made by i think you spoke to me about this game once before yeah she's uh she's an elementary school kid and it was actually one it, it won um awards Wow. um like she just basically made it to enter into a contest and won a bunch of awards and won a publishing deal. Um I think it was like I think it goes on sale for like five bucks constantly. Like on Steam right now, it is I would love to No, I never would, mind, not five bucks, two bucks.
3: I would love to bucks. record I would love to record my reaction and then me playing the game as well to see.
0: Yeah, it's uh we can definitely set something like that up. That would be um, so unique.
2: Did you see my reaction to playing Outlast? <laughs>
0: no, I still have to cut that together. That that was hilarious.
2: That was hilarious.
0: Uh, um, there's another one called Among the Sleep. Um, where it puts you in the shoes of a, um, I think a two-year-old. Yeah, uh, you're a two-year-old wow. trying to find your mom in the oh middle of God. a nightmare.
2: Oh, my God. What? So, no, like, you I have not to... Want to play this
0: yeah um and then like there are there are a few games that actually um like martha is dead here um collector's edition finally came in but beside the point um (laughs) that one kind of puts you in the shoes of someone who deals with anxiety as well as depression and um uh, imposter syndrome.
1: Wow. so like
0: just by putting yourself in those shoes um can kind of help you um understand how they feel won't necessarily make you feel like that. But just it'll get a definitely different perspective
3: give you first yeah,
0: almost like first hand experience like I, if I were to, right. able to
3: take my eyes out and put them in someone else's,
0: kind of yeah, yeah. Be unique like i I highly recommend horror games if you've never felt anxiety. A horror movie is fine, you know. You watch it, you know. At the end of that hour and a half, it's going to be over. Everything's played out. But a horror game keeps okay, you wait, in the wait, experience wait. for like ten. So the ones that I listed are not horror games. Well, no, they I, are, but they're like psychological thrillers. I, I'll
3: right? say. I'll say. Let me. Let me clarify because um, I've played horror games like with the Oculus Quest 2 and and genuinely scary. Like genuinely, like scary games. Um, but I don't think, like, that's where... I but you know that heart race, right? Where it's yeah.
0: constantly, like, you, even after you take off that headset, so is it there, is like...
3: Is there no difference between, f- like, fear slash
0: adrenaline to anxiety? No. Well, kind of, but most anxiety manifests itself as that. Yeah. Where it has that reaction, and it you won't have a sort of a tell. You'll just... Out of nowhere, start thinking about a subject and then your heart starts racing. You can get sweaty, like, but it it affects everyone differently.
1: Right. And like that heart racing, you know, can be a symptom of like a panic attack. And so again, and then a panic disorder is having a fear of having panic attacks. So it's like this you know, it's like this cycle of, you know, living in a constant state of fear. And what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the anxiety, are you afraid of the panic attack? You know, it's, it's very difficult to kind of understand. And I don't think unless you either witness it or experience it, because I don't know if you've ever seen someone having a panic attack. It is a very scary thing to see. Um, especially, you know, I think there's severities and levels and and ha- sometimes not being able to calm someone down. Um, so I think, you know, witnessing it or seeing it, experiencing it in the game is, is something that might, you know, might interest you or, or, or might kind of make you feel uh, no, a little I, bit of, you know, empathy.
3: So I'm, I'm, yeah, empathy. Sure. <laughs>
1: not empathy, not saying that you're no, not empathetic, it's, but just.
3: That's, it's definitely a word I speak about a lot, uh, empathy, but. <laughs> So, this is my like why this is where my brain goes, just to give a little bit of perspective. Okay. So, when I'm playing a video game or say I'm doing something and and something makes my heart race, um, immediately where my brain is going is like the reason my heart is racing is because the body is trying to prepare myself. to defend or react to a specific way right it's pumping blood quicker throughout my body so that i would have a quicker reaction time or potentially my brain could i have a, I have a quicker reaction time physically and mentally so like whatever i use I, I would use that to my event if my heart is pumping a lot like really fast i'm not necessarily like yes i guess it would be scary but but I mean, you I'm also know why
1: it. it's happening.
3: Yeah, like I'm yeah. like okay, like when I play when I play Rust, the game Rust, and I'm hiding in a, in a bush, and someone just comes out and sh- and and kills me. Right, my <laughs> heart is like, wow, what the heck? Like that's crazy. Like because in real life, if that were to happen, I should be at my most ready. Like to me, that's an adrenaline rush. That's your body preparing right. you for something. I've never had it to where my thought process has made my heart rush. And I think that's what anxiety is. I think for yeah. you to, for you to not have anything outside. Uh, well, I won't say that because uh, things outside can, can make your heart race. And that would have anxiety, but
2: and I I've, think that, you yeah. I've never Wanting had, un,
3: sorry. I've never had uncalled for heart rush. Whereas, and I feel like some people with anxiety
0: do suffer from that. Right. Well, and I think because like, like the situation that you talked about with rust, there's a conclusion. You you died. Yeah, awesome.
3: Maybe that's what You it can is. you
0: can lo- you can logically say, okay, I'm out of the situation. Fantastic. There's no need to stress because I'll either respawn or I'll just go to bed, come back tomorrow. Cool. For people with anxiety, they they there's they no, can't turn no themselves off. There's, there's, there, there's no conclusion. I understand.
3: Maybe maybe that's what it is because immediately that's where my brain goes. Is this a problem that I can solve or not? Yeah. And that right. maybe that's what separates it. How intriguing! I never thought about it like that. Inclusion. yeah
1: and i that's think says, too when you're thinking of like the adrenaline again this is very um complex but when you know you're thinking about your amygdala and and the and the parts of your brain that are you know that's telling your body you there's a threat you know you need to respond a certain way when there's actually no threat like that that's
3: crazy yeah it's wild
1: your body can't You're not supposed to live just off of adrenaline alone. So that feeling can actually make you sick. Mm -hmm. So that's where all these physical symptoms of, and chronic lifelong stress and anxiety. I've seen 24 year olds have strokes. Like that is, you know, not healthy. 24 year olds have strokes, you know, over stress and anxiety, you know, and that is something, you know, preventable (laughs) in the sense of like, you know, Yes, there are some measures that you can do to lower your risk, and there. But there's also like that person I'm thinking of in particular was just trying to survive. Like you, there's just not like sometimes you, there's not much you can do, and so I think I, that goes let, back to our let access. Me,
3: let me ask you this, okay? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing research on, and this is kind of. I'm going to go slightly off topic and then go back on topic here. So I've been doing research on ice baths and how it's kind of like you can release a shit ton of adrenaline by participating in ice baths. Um, it's like an adrenaline release. You can uh-huh. reset. So do you think that people with anxiety would benefit from that? Do you think that that would touch the anxiety whatsoever?
1: Like a reset? I don't know. Yeah,
3: Kind of like, cause like, cause like to me, the idea, and this is, this is where my brain goes. Okay. and And this is, I think I've said this in the podcast before, but the reason I'm okay with struggle and going like the reason I go to the gym and Mm. push past my max, the reason when I'm running, I go further than what I can is so that I'm training my brain that no matter what, like there will always be a, there's always a problem. There's always like, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. But if I'm like constantly conquering the things that I can't do, it makes everything else simpler. So when you get in the ice bath and you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, but you push past it, that helps me, like that would help me potentially get past something else. Oh, I I said that I couldn't do this, but I I stayed in the ice bath for four minutes longer. I I ran for three more miles. I stayed in the gym for an hour longer when I couldn't do it. Do you think that people with anxiety could potentially benefit from having that type of mindset? Or do you think it's like, it's not necessarily too far gone, but do you think it needs to be devoured a, a bit more?
1: I think that there, it could definitely be an option for some people that are willing to try it. I don't think there, I think when you're, I wouldn't put it for someone in crisis, but someone who mm. has found exercise and and diet and health and nutrition and exercise or, and then gym to be a, a healthy coping skill, which many people have. I feel like that's just another step, like to kind of, you know, um, allow you to kind of regain some control in your life and to kind of reset like you said so i don't i wouldn't put anything past that like you know i don't think it's the only thing you should do Um, but i think that is a really interesting perspective and i had not heard that so i think that's really um cool i don't think i could ever do that because i would be very very cold but i think that is really cool um for someone especially someone who like you said pushes their limits, you know, to, to trick their brain. It sounds like you're tricking your brain. Oh, absolutely. Thinking, yeah, yeah. I think this is my limit, but I can go further. And like, you always, I, I know. And I, I think we all do that with different, you know, areas of our life. Sometimes it might just be even with everyday life. Like you think I just yeah. can't make it to the end of the week. And then you're really? like, well, you do like you make it. You like, can, there's no matter
3: a what. Way. Yeah. Well, I, I was speaking to, I was speaking to my girlfriend, Carissa, yesterday and we got onto a really interesting topic and it was like how like the things that and this is where it's crazy but the things that I stress about now like if I were to take myself out of this situation and put myself say as a Native American right I'm like their ability to cope Mm -hmm. is probably got to be significantly more than like modern people right because what they're doing is life or death like the hunter gatherers for instance they had to hunt for food they Mm -hmm. had to find shelter or they would freeze like they would have to do these things and yet like for instance sometimes I'm complaining about waking up early because I'm like super tired to go to work like that helps me right because I'm like yeah I'm, I'm pretty tired but at least I'm not having to fight for food at least I'm not having to find shelter and that goes back to our previous podcast about like homeless people finding my finding my I don't hate to say that word again I'm sorry Caleb <laughs> uh, but, but like it, it makes me appreciate my thought process th- thought process a lot right the fact that I can take and choose my problems right. versus other problems is significant like it's significant in my brain I think like I would much rather choose to stress about the things that I do. than than let stress control me in a different way it's just once again to to tack back it's so wild for me to think about the fact that like and and you guys all sit here and and can test for it like stress has controlled you
2: 100 percent. yeah that's
3: that's that's i I don't know why that's such a foreign concept for me maybe i'm delusional maybe i maybe there's like the idea that maybe i don't know stress is controlling me and it is who knows I, yeah. mean, I
1: think sometimes it's just part of your, your, you go through different like developmental stages. And so sometimes you don't hit that, like I said, that phase in your life where you need extra help or you need someone or something, right. you know, until you like there's especially like a lot of people when maybe you find your worth and your purpose a lot in like your career. So a lot of people when they retire, like they lost their purpose. Oh, yeah. And so they go well, through like an identity crisis. Very like fair. this is like years and years of like of you know of theory that you know this is something that your people go through like it doesn't matter because we tend to say well when I do something there's value in that like when I work there's value in that when I retire like everyone thinks oh, you should be happy you should be this and I'm like well a lot no of them like aren't.
3: yeah a lot of yeah, them aren't
1: some That's people aren't
3: yeah I can't it's find like, I yeah. can't stop I can't like I, I really doubt like when I have an off day, for instance, today I was off. I, I very rarely get free time and I chose to consume it with things like maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe the fact that I continue to do things and don't slow down, maybe that's where I would find anxiety yeah, is if I slow down. Yeah, busy yourself. If yeah, I were most, to slow down, maybe I could find anxiety, which yeah. I don't necessarily I don't I probably wouldn't do that. But most yeah.
0: people can't be alone with their own thoughts. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. Most people can't be alone in the in a dark room with themselves. So they constantly fill themselves fill their time with other people or other right. things because well, the moment they're left alone they start either overthinking, ha- overthinking or having having anxiety filled thoughts or having things like that and they just either a don't want to experience it or b know they are going to so they refuse or they don't know they're going to experience it so they refuse to figure it out they refuse to find out of whether or not it's going to happen yeah Yeah. that's why white noise is a a big help for people who can't sleep because like if a tv's on or like music or a podcast or like rain or anything like that it helps keep you know your Your mind busy while you go to sleep. That way you don't think. Yeah. But Hmm. I do think that is a wonderful stopping point. Yeah. I think
1: that was great.
0: So as always, uh, it was wonderful to have everyone here today and it was wonderful. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, Just a reminder, we are on Spotify, Apple podcasts and YouTube just in case you're, on one of the different platforms and would like to see us in person so on youtube we have the video podcast and on spotify and apple Podcasts, we have the audio um but yeah so it's
3: nice meeting you by the way Laura.
0: yeah it
1: was so nice yeah. to meet you i love the conversation please invite me back anytime oh, you want like i said i have a lot of interest in many different areas um And I have a lot of different experience with many different types of people and things and lots of current events going on in the world that um, really interest me and really impact social work and the way that we interact with others. So I appreciate the time that you all have given me.
0: And we appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you. Awesome.
0: So uh, thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful day.
1: Bye.